Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works in social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Kat Norton, and we're going to explore how to create viral content for Instagram and TikTok. Now, here's the thing about this interview. Kat has gone completely nuts on TikTok and Instagram, and I dissect her whole process, how she does what she does, and I think you're absolutely going to find it really, really fascinating because she provides really interesting thoughts that, frankly, I don't think anybody else on the podcast has ever told us before, so I hope you really enjoy it. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show. We've got some great content coming your way. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Kat Norton. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Kat Norton. If you don't know who Kat is, you need to know who she is. She's a content strategist and coach who helps businesses effortlessly scale their business. She's also the founder and chief Excel officer at Miss Excel. Kat, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. I'm super excited that you're here today. And what we're going to explore today is how to create viral content on TikTok and Instagram. My notes said virtual. I'm glad I didn't say virtual, but I'm going to say viral and we're going to keep that in there. So Kat, before we go down the fascinating trails that I know are going to be absolutely amazing when people hear everything you've been doing, I want to back up a little bit and talk about your story because I think your story in its own right is absolutely amazing. So tell everybody how you got into TikTok. Start wherever you want to start. I can't wait to hear it. 
Absolutely. So this is my favorite story to talk about. And it really begins back in March of 2020. So with the start of the pandemic, I found myself no longer traveling every week for work with my day job. And I was really back in my parents' house and questioning what I was doing with my life. What's my purpose? What lights me up? And since I was no longer traveling, I had all this extra time on my hands. So I went deep into a rabbit hole of improving myself, reading books, doing meditations, and all different things to try to eventually reach a higher version of myself. So I'm down this rabbit hole. It's March, April, May. And all of a sudden, I start getting these intuitive hits for business ideas. And I'll never forget, I was on the phone with one of my best friends, Anna, and we were talking about different business ideas, things I could do to take on a side hustle now that I had some more time on my hands. And I remember her being like, what if you put the Excel tips on TikTok? Because backstory at my day job, on top of doing the securitization reviews for banks, I was also hosting Excel trainings internally for the company because it was something I had always loved to do. And so she was like, what if you put the tips on TikTok? And initially I had a lot of resistance. I was like, TikTok, you know, I'm 27 with a corporate job. I can't just start dancing on TikTok. But my gut was like, make the TikTok. And so for the next like 48 hours, I remember my brain and my gut were at war. It was like my brain being like, you absolutely cannot do this. And my gut was like, you must do this. And I'll never forget, it was a Friday afternoon. My schedule magically clears. It's like three o'clock, calendar invites falling off. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do a dry run of this whole TikTok thing. And this is early stage pandemic. So I was not doing my hair or makeup for anything at that point. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do a test run. I'm in my childhood bedroom. I move the furniture out of the way. And I film myself to this vision that I had, which was me teaching the left and right functions in Excel to that Drake song, the choosy slide, left foot up, right foot slide to the left and the right function. So I record this video and I look back and I'm like, oh, this is actually really cool. If you haven't seen my content before, the typical style or at least the way it started out was me dancing to a trending song with the Excel screen above my head and step-by-step showing what it is, kind of tapping into that type of content. I love the video I made and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make 10 more right here, right now. So I go in the bathroom, I do my hair, my makeup, I run back in my room and I film these 10 videos and start editing them to late in the night. Because at this point, I was so lit up by what I was doing. I just, something in me was just pushing me to keep going, keep doing this Friday night activities, you know? And then I decide was like a day or two later to post that video. And it was actually, it was the next morning. I was half asleep. It's like six o'clock in the morning and something wakes me up and I turn to Mike and I'm like, my boyfriend, and I'm like, Miss Excel. That's the name, Miss Excel. And he's like, what? And I'm like, Miss Excel. And I like grab my phone and I check the handles and they're available on TikTok, Instagram. And the cool thing about the TikTok space too is when I first started this, there was no one else really teaching Excel on TikTok, which was in my evaluation process when I'm like, do I do this? Do I not? That was a key factor. I was like, okay, either the audience on TikTok is just not interested in Excel or it just has not been done before. 
So I grabbed the handle and I started posting on June 7th of 2020, my first video. And by my fourth video, I was doing one per day, it reaches 100,000 views. And it was this one to the X look up to that song by DMX, X gonna give it to you. And all of a sudden it hits 100,000 views. So at this point, I'm just like, whoa, my phone's blowing up. And by my sixth video, the CEO of an IT company reaches out and is like, hey, I love your teaching style. I'm looking to create trainings in G Suite products, so the Google version of everything I was doing for students, parents, and teachers, because this is when the schools were all starting to go digital. And I was like, okay, you know, clearly I'm a Microsoft gal, but the products are similar. I can teach myself. So I formed an LLC, bought a green screen and a ring light. I moved my childhood bedroom furniture into all the corners out of the way. I had a little 12 by 12 room. And I started filming this content and selling it back to this guy. So by my sixth day on TikTok, I had a paying side hustle. I was still working my day job, like 40, 50 hours a week. And then I was also creating the Miss Excel content because at this point, I'm like, well, it's helping a lot of people. It's an opportunity magnet. So I kept pushing the content out. And then it was around the third week where I had my first video go viral and it reached 3.7 million views over a span of a few days. And I'll never forget the feeling of picking up my phone and just seeing all these notifications. Every time I would pull down and hit refresh, it would be 15 new followers, 15 new followers. Like the whole screen was filling up. And by the end of that time period, I looked down and I had 100,000 followers on TikTok. And I was like, whoa, like now what do I do, right? Because I was never, you know, the influencer type. If you looked at my personal Instagram account, you'd be like, all right, this girl does not know what she's doing, right? So at this point, I'm like, okay, I need to learn. I need to learn more about these platforms because I'd been editing everything off the apps as well. And this was all around the time where TikTok was potentially getting banned in the United States. Yeah, so I had a lot of people being like, TikTok, like, good luck with that. Like, your whole thing's about to go away. And I'm just like, oh, you know best to hedge my risk and create an Instagram then. So I created an Instagram account. And to my surprise, only 2000 people pulled over. So very different audiences, a lot of them didn't convert. So I was like, okay, I'm going to need to go viral on Instagram. So this was around the time when Instagram reels were coming out. So I started transferring the content from TikTok pre watermark. So I was editing everything off the platforms and posting them on Instagram reels as well. And within a few weeks on that platform, it went viral as well. And I grew 50,000 people in a week. And then I just kind of kept going viral on both platforms for the next few months and just growing a following. So now at this point, I had probably around like three, 400,000 followers across the platforms. It's October of 2020. And Miss Excel isn't making any money yet. I still just had my side hustle and my day job, but the actual Miss Excel accounts weren't. And so many people had been asking me to create an Excel course. And I didn't know the first thing about course making. So, you know, I'm Googling around. I'm just like, okay, you know, easiest course platform, easiest video editors, you know, trying to kind of learn the ropes. So it'd be at night, I was teaching myself these things. And around October, I was like, you know what? I need to make this course. Everyone's asking for it. It would serve the community. It could also create an income stream where I could potentially leave my day job and run my own day and my own business. So I took two weeks off from my day job on a vacation in my living room and I mapped out the most fun, creative 
course on Excel that I possibly could muster up. I sat there with that outline, just infusing it with as much creativity in every video as I could, because I was like, this has to be on brand for Miss Excel, right? I cannot have a boring course after having the type of videos that I have, right? Where we're mixing dancing and music and fun. So I sat there, mapped out the course, was 100 training videos. And then I filmed all 100 videos and edited them all myself as well. Then I started selling it before it was ready, which is a nice, fun, anxiety-inducing method to make you get your courses done. Highly recommend. (laughs) And so I started selling them Black Friday. So it was November of 2020. I started selling my Excel course. And by January of 2021, two months later, the passive income from the course sales every month was greater than what I was making per month at my day job. So at that point, I was like, all right, I need to rethink my priorities because my day job was getting 40 hours a week, you know, 50. And Miss Excel took me like 10, 15 once the courses were done. So I was like, I would be dangerous if I freed up 40 more hours in my week again. Like I could scale this thing. I could go off. So in January of 2021, I put in my two weeks notice, which was an amazing and wild time because half the company like knew about my TikTok and my securitizations group. And they're just like, oh, cute TikTok, right? And then the other half was had no idea. So it was a really fun day, actually, like kind of coming clean. It was kind of like my Hannah Montana moment. I feel like I had a secret life on the internet that no one knew about. So I was able to, you know, come out and tell everybody like, here, what I'm doing and it's working and I'm going to pursue it full time. And they were so incredibly supportive. The company actually hired me back now as a vendor where I teach Excel routinely to their employees, which has been awesome. But everyone was super supportive. They're like, go get your dreams. And I left. So by February of 2021, I was on my own running this business. We had barely made our first six figures, still in the baby phases. And I was like, okay, Everyone wants more courses. They want advanced Excel courses. They want PowerPoint, Word, Outlook, OneNote, Teams, Google Sheets, a kid's course. So over the next few months in that span, I proceed to start whipping out all these other courses. And now in April, that was another pretty big milestone of 2021, was when I got my first press article. So this was Business Insider reached out and side note, all the press that I've received, I've never worked with a PR firm. It's all just been organic traction, like writers will reach out to me and we do the stories. And because I honestly, I had no idea how press worked. You know, I didn't realize people work with PR firms and things like that. I was kind of just flying by the seat of my pants and creating and doing what lit me up. So I had my first big article on Business Insider and then that started trending. And so I created more courses. The business starts scaling. I did partnerships with Microsoft. All these things start coming into play. And at that point, I had three courses going. And October is when it really, of 2021, started lighting up. So around October, I did a podcast with The Verge with Neelay Patel. And that episode ended up being turned into an article. And then the article blasted out to like 50 different outlets across the globe. All this press was coming in. So many more people were finding the accounts. I was still going viral about every month or so between the press and TikTok and Instagram. So I just kind of kept growing the audience. And at the same time, I also introduced webinars into my ecosystem. So I started doing these 
hour-long power-packed Excel classes. And at the end, I would offer an awesome discount on my courses if people wanted to keep learning with me. And that's how I was able to create those occasional six-figure days was through the webinar process. So I really started honing in on that craft. I built out seven more courses. So I now have 10 across the Microsoft suite, Google Sheets, and a student course as well. And bundling the courses together to get up to a little higher price point. And that's how the business really went from six figures to seven figures in about a year. And the whole thing has been just the absolute time of my life. It has been so much fun to now start to like take on new projects. I finally started hiring people, which helped. So I hired a virtual assistant. I have a graphic designer. I hired my boyfriend as my VP of sales and CFO. So he's been doing all my corporate deals because I also do corporate training. So live virtual custom Excel sessions and we do bulk sales. And I also retire hired my mom. So she's officially my mom now. And so I retired her from her day job. So she's kind of on call for things like that. And yeah, it has been the time of my life over here. I love that momager. I've never heard that before, but that is so cool. Kat, there's so much there. It's so fascinating to see how you went from just a crazy idea to creating short videos to ultimately building an incredible business, specifically on the back of short form video, right? Uh, TikTok and Instagram. So there are some people listening right now who maybe are thinking to themselves, all right, maybe I've got something inside of me that I can teach people, or maybe someone inside of the business could teach people. And it's fascinating how Kat took something that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, which is Excel, right? And TikTok and combine them together. And it just shows you that you can do some amazing things. But what do you want to say to people that are not sure, even though they heard your story, why should they consider short form video on TikTok and or Instagram? What's your thoughts to tell them if they're skeptical? It's so easy to get into. That's the first big part. I knew nothing about the platforms. All of the information is really at our fingertips. And that's incredibly empowering, right? So I remember literally sitting in my childhood bedroom being like, what do I want to do with my life? How can I create things? How can I get things out of my head? and get them into a cool piece of content. And that's really the amazing thing about short form video, right? We can also go in and test lots of things. So it's not like you have to create an hour long YouTube video explaining all these concepts. These shorter videos allow you to hop onto trends, to get creative, to try new things because it's less of an investment in, okay, I need to map out this whole video and then you know edit the whole thing and all that. It just really allows you to be so much more nimble. And it really helps you play into the algorithms too. In terms of TikTok, it's a lot easier to go viral and Instagram and things like that. So for me, it's just the way I was framing it. So I really just look at it as an outlet for my creativity and then go in there and create things in that span. Fascinating. And for folks that are hearing the ambiance in the background, there's a little storm going on where Cat is, which is kind of cool to hear it, you know, because where I am, we don't get those kind of storms. Okay, so one of the questions I've got is, are you finding that some of the very first videos you've done are still being watched today? Oh, yeah. Really? So especially through press articles, a lot of them get linked up again, or we created a whole new product, this amazing newsletter with life tips and tactics. And in that, we are linking on occasion, like certain videos where I'm demonstrating the tech tips. So some of those end up back in the algorithm again. Very cool. Okay. So a lot of people want to know what is your strategy? How is it Let's start at a macro level. How is it that you go about creating this content? Because my guess is someone else could go create a video with the exact same words 
that you created, right? And maybe even with the Excel thing behind it, but it might not be the same as what you do. So what is it about the way you do videos that we can learn from like at a macro level? Yeah. So, I mean, with my strategy, there are three main pillars. There is polarity, creativity, and energy management, which polarity is more so having content that has that duality to it that sparks conversation. Creativity, obviously, is having things that are cool and different and an authentic expression of you. And then energy management is how we are showing up in the world. And that is just what has allowed my business to flow and grow so effortlessly versus having that like hustle mentality is because I've been able to manage my energy. So let's dig in on every one of these. Let's start with polarity. Start with defining what you mean by polarity and why you feel like this is important. Then we'll get into like the how side of it. So I love to have videos that have a healthy, a healthy element of polarity to them, right? Because polarity can have a negative connotation at times. But for me, the polarity in my content, for example, was when I combined two things that were traditionally never combined, like Excel and dancing, by combining those things, having those elements of polarity is what sparked the conversation that got my videos off the ground and into the algorithms ultimately. Because if you were just scrolling through TikTok and saw a plain Excel screen early on before, you know, being an Excel influencer was a thing. If you're scrolling through and it didn't apply to you, you weren't going to comment like, oh, you know, an Excel tip. You would just scroll on by, right? You wouldn't have anything to say. And if it applied to you, you may comment on it. When it has the element of polarity to it, that's what really sparks a conversation. So I had people who absolutely loved what I was doing. They were like, wow, I would have never thought to combine Excel and dancing and music. And then you had people who hate what you're doing. They're just like, what is this girl doing? And then you have these people in between who are just so like, what is happening here, you know? And so it just kind of generates this whole other level of emotion, yet it's in a healthy way, right? It's just by combining two things that aren't traditionally combined, but it's something people have never seen. And by having that element to it is what allowed it to really pick up in the algorithms because people were talking about my videos. My videos were getting press, you know? People were sharing them. People were like, whoa, did you know about this trick? whoa, did you know what she's doing? Whoa, I never thought to do something like that. Like there were so many elements to it versus a more traditional format. And the key with polarity as well that I like to mention is it has to be things that are authentic to you, right? Because if you hate dancing and you post yourself dancing to a left function, it most likely will not go viral because you are not in your authentic self. So for me personally, if you knew me like growing up, I'm obsessed with dancing. I'm always just dancing around. That is my thing. I worked on my high school radio station. I've always loved music, all different genres. So that was always my thing. And then Excel is something that I've been incredibly passionate about and have been teaching on the side of my day job. So it was kind of just things that I loved already and that were also authentic to me. So that way, when I showed up on camera, I was in my full authentic self versus being kind of a shell of myself or forcing myself to do it or just feeling kind of uncomfortable because the reader is really able to see through that, right? So like the person, the recipient of your video, if you look slightly uncomfortable, they can tell even if it's on a subconscious level and it won't resonate with them as much. So it's really important to find things that are authentic to you and not force them if you are looking to create that polarity in your videos. I think I understand what you're saying. And let me echo back to you. Polarity is when two things that don't normally go together are used together. And the reason why it works is because it stops people. That's strange. You know what I mean? There's something different about that. I wasn't expecting that. I would love to talk about some examples that maybe don't involve dancing, 
you know, just because I know so many people are, are not just dancing on TikTok. You know, what are some examples of polarity that we could be thinking about on Instagram or TikTok that could somehow accomplish the very same things? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it really just depends on what you love, right? And just being able to combine things and think outside the box from a creative perspective. Like if you love golf and real estate, you can find a cool creative way to combine both of those, right? Like ah. when you're hitting the golf swings, you're like popping out, you know, you're hitting a real estate tip or just like having something creative to it. No matter what the subjects are, it's really a matter of tapping into that creativity and finding ways that these things that you love kind of align. Because for me, if I was designing my dream job, I'm like, okay, what are all the things I love? I love to help people. I love Excel. And I love to dance. So that just went in and I essentially created my dream job and threw it on a platform and built it up from there. So if you are at the ground level and you are creating your dream scenario, what do you want included in that scenario? And it's interesting to try to challenge the traditional norms in that space because your conscious mind may be like, oh, you can't do that. You can't have it all. You can't combine all these things. But I would challenge that notion. And have you really tap into your creativity to figure out ways that there can be overlay because most likely when you are playing in that polarity realm, you are creating things that people have not seen before. And that's what creates the polarity, right? Because if people have traditionally seen it together, like peanut butter and jelly, you are not creating that polarity. So it's really important to kind of take a step back, consciously understand that it is probably something you have not seen before, right? And then have that confidence in yourself and self-worth to be able to go in and give it a go. You know, I, I'm thinking about myself as I'm listening to you. And, you know, what I really love talking about is marketing and entrepreneurship and business. These are things that I'm absolutely fascinated by. But I'm also into NFTs and crypto, right? So I started this new show called the Crypto Business Podcast. I took crypto and business and combined them together because not many people are talking about business in the world of crypto. They're talking about finance and they're talking about tech. So I would imagine that that's an example. And if I was to apply that to short form videos where everybody else is talking about finance when it comes to crypto and I'm talking about business, all of a sudden that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? Absolutely. And I absolutely love that podcast. I was binge listening to it over the weekend. And I just love that you bring that angle to the crypto space. Because for me, being in business, not particularly finance, is something that opened a lot of doors for me, like seeing the different ways that blockchain could be applied in different business scenarios. I thought that was really eye-opening. Very cool. All right. So we talked about polarity. Let's talk about the other second one, creativity. Yes. Clearly, you are very creative, but you've got something to your process when it comes to creativity. So let's share what it is. So when it comes to creativity, I find that a lot of people get held up in limiting beliefs around the subject with the notion that like, I am not creative. And I would argue that and think that we all have a creative element to ourselves, but it's just a matter of unlayering the conditioning to allow that creativity flow through and providing an outlet for that creativity to be applied on. So for example, I was a very creative child. I was always drawing and I was dreaming of having like an art studio in my backyard and like all these different things. And then I hopped into corporate. And the extent of my creativity was making beautiful corporate PowerPoints that were just, you know, love my PowerPoint, but I had to play in the corporate box with that one, right? And so I really never had an outlet from the start of my career for that creativity to come through in a setting that would make me money, right? Like I could go to, you know, a sip and paint class on the weekends, but it wasn't something that was ultimately contributing toward the life I'd wanted to create. So with creativity, I think a big part of it is if you're sitting here and you're like, but I'm not creative. 
I would challenge that thought and dig in and try to tap into why because it might not actually be that you are not creative. Most likely it is that you just either don't have an outlet for the creativity or it's just something you haven't practiced or ingrained or have used in so long. Like for me, I was just like, am I still that creative? Because I haven't done anything with it since really like college. I was, you know, making like high-waisted tie-dye shorts and selling them on Etsy. Like that was my outlet. I would always kind of been creating these different outlets. So first is just one accepting that you are a creative being and you came on the planet to create something no matter what it is and kind of going in and tapping into that mentality. So that's like a big first step with the creativity. And then another step is really learning how to get into your own creative flow state. And so this process looks different for everybody. And for me, what I've learned is I really needed to, one, understand how the mind works, right? Because coming into these topics, it may seem a little esoteric. It may seem a little like, okay, you know, creative flow state, meditate, close your eyes, say, oh, what am I going to do here? You know, and for me, I really needed to, you know, logical Excel thinker over here. I needed to understand the mind. So I dove into quantum physics. I dove into the brain, different studies on the mind and really trying to reverse engineer myself and figure out how I would come up with those viral ideas for TikTok, right? I'd sit there and look at my content and be like, okay, I'm going viral once a month. Like what is in those ideas? How did those come to me? How did this happen? And a lot of times it would be like 6 a.m. I sit up and I'm like, bam, there's the idea. And then trying to reverse engineer how I'm getting into a flow state. And then other times I would come with a bunch at once because I'd be in this flowy state. So in the process of trying to reverse engineer my own systems for creating viral content, kind of came up with these different ways to tap into a creative flow state, which the biggest one is really tapping into the right side of the brain and understanding how that works. So left side of the brain is the analytical side. And then the right side of the brain is the more creative side. And a lot of people throughout their day try to flip back and forth, which we'll talk more about this in the energy management third piece of my structure here. But really on tapping into the creative side, I learned that a hack for this is to do creative activities before you step into that creative ideation process. So for example, I will go out in nature and walk. I will meditate. I will dance. I will do things that are tapping into that right side of my mind to more easily flow into an ideation state versus trying to come off, you know, a crazy hectic meeting or hectic day and then sit down and be like, okay, where's my million dollar idea, right? So allowing yourself that space creativity, I have found has been a huge aspect of coming up with the ideas. So first is really unblocking your own mind and losing the thought form that you are not a creative being. And just understanding, because a lot of people I see are just like, I'm just not that creative. But giving yourself that chance and helping yourself find your ideal outlet you'll be surprised, right? And it's also a great self-reflection activity to kind of look at your different processes because you might be creative in ways that aren't the traditional box of creativity, but you're doing it. Like for example, cooking in the kitchen. A lot of people like be making new recipes and doing new things and that could be a creative activity or it could be something you do at work. Maybe you're an engineer and you're coming up with all these different ideas on how to find solutions to problems, right? So really just kind of challenging your notion of creativity as a whole can help unblock that belief that you're not creative and then just kind of finding your ideal outlets and then leaving that space to tap into the right side of the brain. 
This is such a fascinating dialogue because for folks that are listening next week, we have a guy named Jesse Cole coming on who is the head of Savannah Bananas. And he was inspired by Saturday Night Live. And they have this very creative process that they go through to try to essentially get ideas that will work. And then they do skits and they do testing. And then they ultimately, whatever makes it to the live show. I found for me, and everybody's a little bit different, but for me, my creative ideas tend to come when I'm in the shower or when I'm driving to work. And sometimes they also come when I'm listening to podcasts. They come when I'm doing things that are not my normal daily activities, like the boring things, you know what I mean? Like driving to work, doing the dishes. Have you found that you have to like kind of separate yourself from the distractions of the world a little bit for the creative ideas to come? Absolutely. So when you're in those states too, you are typically on autopilot. So the subconscious mind is the one at the forefront taking care of those activities because they're things you've done so many times, right? So with this, it's great to kind of step into that space. That's why like maybe in the shower, out walking or doing these different activities, our mind quiets a bit and that allows the creativity to come through versus your left side of the brain that would be analyzing everything, right? And like living in the future, living in the past, analyzing different scenarios where when we quiet that and we have our subconscious on and we are doing these, you know, automated activities that we've done so many times before, it allows that side to quiet a little bit. So the right side starts kicking up and shooting out those ideas. What do you do with the ideas? Because I would imagine you could lose them if you don't do something with them, right? Oh, I write them down. Yeah. I call them my little pings. I have like notes in my phone. I'm writing things on paper. I'm always just, I have a viral ideas note in my phone to kind of just capture that mindset when I'm writing them in there. So that's a, that's another spot. I do. And I would imagine you come back to that when you're looking for ideas to create content and then it spurs the idea. Is that generally how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So the occasional ones that come, I just add to the list. And then I also put myself in that creative flow state, which usually takes me about three hours to tap into that. And then I'll spend an hour like looking at content and seeing what's trending on the platforms, listening to trending songs. And then the ideas start to hit, like the Excel tips will come in that match the song. And I map that out. And then I use a whole separate day to go in and create the content. Fascinating. Well, let's talk about energy management because I think there's a connection here between this creativity flow state and obviously the energy management. Because if I would imagine if you're not managing your energy, you're not going to have any time to be able to do these kind of things, right? So talk to us a little bit about what is energy management and why is it so important and how do we do it? Exactly. So back up a little bit. A lot of people typically talk about time management and that's always like a hot topic, time management. But in reality, time is finite, right? It is a finite resource. It's our sets of time. We have 24 hours in the day. Everyone's got the same 24 hours in the day, right? But then when it comes to energy management, that is how you are showing up in that time block and in the state of mind and frame of mind in that time block to actually be able to increase your productivity within the constraints of the finite time. So for me, a big hack with this has been learning how to work with the left and right sides of the mind. So for example, I will separate out my entire day, which if that seems like a wild concept, maybe with your current job situation, even just doing like three hour blocks where you are in one state of mind versus the right side state of mind. So left or right. And by grouping the activities that way, I've been able to be so much more productive in those activities and thereby increasing the amount of things I could get done in a certain set of time. So for example, I will have entire creative days where I roll out of bed, hiking out in the red rocks, you know, drinking coffee, just kind of staying in this right side of the mind, the flowy feminine energy and tapped into that state. So when I go to sit down and come with the creative ideas, they will just flow out. 
versus what a lot of people do. And what I see happen a lot in corporate is you'll have this whole packed day and someone's going to put 30 minute brainstorming session on your calendar. It's a lot more difficult to come up with that million dollar idea when you just came off a meeting and you're all riled up and, you know, debates in the office and you sit down, you're like, okay, where's my idea, right? It's a lot harder to come up with that because you are in your left side of the brain. You're in that analytical state, thinking about the future, thinking about the past. Right side of the mind is in the now. It's in the present. Ties into the meditating, right? So it's for me, separating out my calendar in that way has been huge for increasing the productivity in that state. It also helps me overall manage my physical energy. Like I'm feeling so much better about what I'm doing. Cause I know, for example, I look forward to my creative days, right? I'm like, I have this nice relaxing day and I'm going to come up with these ideas. And then I also feel really good about my left brain days. Cause I'm like, okay, this is my power day. I'm going to have my iced coffee, a huge to-do list. I'm going to knock things out, feel really good. So it's kind of changed the way that I show up in those states and even the activities I do around them align. So I'm just full of so much more physical energy as well when showing up first, like needing that third cup of coffee in the afternoon, you know, I'm coming up to my activities with more physical energy as well. You know, this is really fascinating. I've talked about this in various different settings over the years. The way I do it is similar to the way you do it, except I break my day into chunks. So what I've done, and I'm in a position where I'm the CEO and founder of this company, I got a lot of people that work for me. And some of you listening may not have this luxury, but you can try to ask your boss or your clients or whatever and block these times. But generally speaking, my assistant knows that I never take a call before 11 a.m. And the reason why I do this is I've determined over many, many years that my strategy mind, which strategy is like puzzle solving and creative solutions to problems, is kind of on high alert at that time. It's the best time of the day for me to be able to do this kind of work. If I try to do it in the afternoons, it takes me three to four times as long. So this is kind of what you're talking about, right? Like being aware of when you are most able to do the kind of work, in this case, creative work. In my case, it's also very creative problem solving, similar kind of thing, and guarding it, right? And blocking it and protecting it. Do you agree that that's really critical? Absolutely. You're channeling and harnessing that energy and applying it where it matters most to you in your day. And that's so important. Very, very similar concepts. So when we combine all three of these together, right, we've got energy management, which is being aware of your energy and like, you know, using some sort of a system to get yourself uh, to the point where you've got enough energy. And I would imagine in your case, are you recording your videos when you are in your highest form of energy? Because you have a lot of energy right now, or is this just generally how you are? You're very full of excitement. And is that something different than energy? Yeah. So, I mean, typically I'm very just happy person in general, right? So that will typically shine through. But in particular situations, like if I'm creating a video or an advertisement or something, I will do things to get myself hyped up and to get my energy into a high flowy state before I show up on camera. Because if you look miserable on camera, no one's going to want to interact with you, right? So for me, it's more of I will do things that make me happy in that moment. So if I want to like have a dance party, if I want to eat some chocolate, if I want to run around, you know, I get myself hyped up. So that way, when I hit the screen, I will literally just like blast through the camera, right? And people feel that burst of energy because Yes, I love teaching Excel, but I also love making people smile on the other side of the screen. And my job here on the planet is to just bring that high vibrational energy. So when I people see my content, I want to make them happier in the end, you know, and help them learn. 
So if we combine all this together, the polarity, which is combining things that don't seem to naturally go together, the creativity, which is getting into that right state and figuring out how to really come up with great ideas. And then the energy management, which is, you know, knowing when to do what the, the various steps, like bring it all together as far as how that ultimately impacts the kind of content you're creating. Like when you do this, right, your strategy, like how long does it really take you? How many TikToks are you recording a day? And how long does it actually take you from beginning to end to do all this now that you've got this process? Typically, I'll take one day a week and go into a creative flow state. So I map out the ideas. That's where the element of polarity comes in. We play with that. We play with the creativity. This all really falls under the umbrella of energy management. And I will go through and map out my ideas. And then typically on a separate day, I will do hair, makeup, and I will batch create all of those videos. And then prior to hiring a video editor, I would have a separate day where it's like, Hair's up in a bun, looking rogue, face mask on, going in and just like editing for hours on end and just in that more systematic state while still like kind of tapping into the creativity of like the elements I put in the video. But typically I'll see that on the front end when I'm designing it. So that's more of like the execution day. So how many are you recording when you batch? I'm just curious. Usually about 10. Is that enough to get you through like a week or two weeks or how often do you have to do this? Oh yeah. So, I mean, I really just view it as like, how much do I want to do this? You know? So it's like viewing it through the lens of abundance versus the lens of scarcity. And that's kind of the way I've treated social media. It was actually, it was funny. Neil Patel was like, you have the healthiest relationship with social media I've ever seen. Cause I just, I do what feels good for me. And because it's authentic to me, that's what will go viral, right? Like I could go, you know, a week without posting, then post something and it blows up versus being like, I have to post every single day and like slaving to the algorithm. For me, it's really how I show up and the quality versus the quantity in those scenarios. So for me, it's like, I love these 10 pieces of content. I'm going to give it my full out. And then, you know, when I feel the time is right, it's posting them, placing them, doing things. Let's talk about Instagram versus TikTok. Have you noticed any differences since you're pretty active on both of the platforms as far as the kinds of content that seem to work on one versus the other? Yeah, I mean, it's typically pretty similar between the two. I feel like Instagram has traditionally had a slower role in the algorithm process, like when you're going viral. Like sometimes I'll go viral on Instagram, but it'll be like slow-mo versus TikTok is a lot faster. Like I'll know within a day or two if this is hitting or not versus Instagram can sometimes be a slower roll with it. But really with both of them, the types of content that for me has been working lately has been one is storytelling. So I will act as different characters when I'm teaching these Excel tips. So at some point I'll be the boss, then I'm the coworker, then I'm cat and having those elements to it, still using the trending songs and music has been a hit. I started integrating some talking to the camera videos, which my current audience loves, but from an algorithmic perspective, having the music has really helped me in those videos though. So when you're playing these different characters, is it all on one video? Oh, yeah. So like you've got a hat on in one and no hat on the other or something like that. To, I seem to see that a lot. I'm, I'm not on TikTok. I'm on Instagram, but I see it a lot on Instagram. Is it work on both of the platforms with, you know, people acting in different kind of characters kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, it keeps it really entertaining because, yes, we're teaching something, but we're also keeping the recipient's attention, right? Because we need them engaged in order for them to actually be learning the content and not, you know, dazing off. So my goal is to keep people paying attention so they actually learn. And so I will, you know, have outfit swaps. I do like my hair different, glasses on when I'm the boss. And, you know, like a lot of the time too, the story element has this like layer of relatability to it, where even if you're not talking about the Excel tip, you might be like, oh, my boss did that to me once or things like that, where it adds in that element of relatability that 
drives more comments in the algorithm too. How long are your videos typically as far as duration? I like the 15 second mark for my typical one showing an Excel tip, which like can seem daunting, you know, trying to teach like data validation in 15 seconds or things like that. A lot of people are like, how would you do that? Which is really where in the editing process or now directing my editor with this process is like, I will watch a video over and over and over to make sure that I have it amount the exact right of seconds for someone to be able to capture that content because you're teaching these complex things in such a short amount of time. So I really like that like 15, 17 second range. And then for my talking videos, though, I typically will explain things more slowly and then just keep my energy flowing throughout. And those will be usually like under a minute. Have you noticed you have to start your videos in a certain kind of way to keep people engaged? Is there any tips or techniques you have on the first couple of seconds of what you do in your videos? Yeah, those first couple seconds are critical. So it's, you know, having that energy, having the hook right off the bat. I typically don't do like the cheesy things like you have to see this or, you know, something like that. Like, but what I like to do is show them sometimes the end of the video, like what the result is or like, have you had this problem? Like showing something like where they start and where they finish to hook them in on, okay, here's the solution, right? Because if you start slowly explaining a solution and they don't know the problem, then it's harder to hook people into the content. So I will typically show the end of the video or the solution or like what we're actually trying to do in the beginning to have them stay through to the end. Well, and I would imagine that gets some looping sometimes too, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Kat, first of all, this has been really fascinating. Thank you so much for deep diving into your creative process because so many people, first of all, don't feel like they have a creative well, maybe they used to be creative and they don't feel like they have it anymore. And you've kind of given them a really cool formula that they can follow to kind of bring back some of that creativity to be able to create some of the content maybe that they've always wanted to create, but haven't known how. If people want to check you out on the socials, where do they find you? And if you have a website you want to send them to, where do you want to send them? So my main platforms are Instagram and TikTok, where I am at Miss, M-I-S-S dot excel e-x-c-e-l and then my website is miss m-i-s-s dash excel e-x-c-e-l dot com awesome thank you kat so much for coming on and bringing the energy and answering all my questions we are so much better because of it thank you so much for having me this is awesome hey if you missed anything we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 525 and if you're new to the show be sure to follow us if you've been a long time listener would you let your friends know about this show i'm at stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.